welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast, the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen. This podcast series provides a space for some fabulous people to share their stories and find a voice within our ever-changing world. It is a space that simply encourages sparky conversations, because there is most definitely always something to be learned from every interesting conversation, however unscripted. At its heart, this podcast is built on the belief that each of us experiences the world in our own unique way, meaning that we all have our own story to share. The Coffee and Conversation podcast aims to uncover a range of perhaps previously unheard stories in an informal, engaging way, so that we can all connect, explore, grow and learn from the great people behind these tales. Happy listening! On today's episode of the Coffee and Conversation podcast, I'm joined by Nicholas Smith, who describes herself as having galloped through several different careers before finally deciding what she wanted to be when she grew up. With a lifelong interest in and passion for people and understanding what makes them tick, Nicola is now the director of a significant master's in programme management at Leeds University Business School, a job she freely admits that she absolutely loves. In her spare time, which is pretty scarce at the moment with planning for the very interesting year ahead in the educational world and writing up her research, Nicola enjoys being outside and has been rediscovering yoga in recent weeks. She also spends a good deal of time spoiling her dogs and avoiding doing the gardening. Welcome. Welcome to uh, this edition of the Coffee and Conversation podcast, um, where today I'm joined um, by Nicola Smith, who we'll learn a little bit about as we go through this conversation. Um, As ever, I am sat in Scotland in my um, office and actually I'm not in my office. I'm sat looking out of my patio window um, at a bit of a grey, midgy tree kind of day um, and I'm drinking my coffee as ever um, so welcome Nicola and if you want to just give us an insight into where you are in the world that would be great. Hello hi um, so I'm sat in Leeds in my office um, it's quite a bright day today actually I'm looking outside the sun is shining but I have been told to expect some thunderstorms later on today so. Oh wow and you <laughs> and you have some companions in your office with you, don't you? Which I've I already I've already been introduced to. <laughs> yeah, I have my two dogs uh, fast asleep behind me currently, so hopefully they won't wake up and start making a noise. Uh, so I've got a little Chihuahua Yorkshire Terrier cross and a lurcher. Oh, dogs are always welcome on this podcast. <laughs> Actually, I haven't had yeah, I haven't had any barking dogs yet. Maybe yeah, maybe we'll we'll plan that at some point. Um, but yeah. Dogs are always welcome. Um, so as ever, we will start uh, with quotes. Um, and I usually invite, well, I invite all my guests to share a quote. And, and you've brought us um, two, maybe even three, which will, they're all kind of connected. But we'll go, go give us uh, your first one to start with and we'll see where we, see where that takes us. So the first one I chose that really resonated with me was that uh, success isn't about how much money you make. It's about the difference you make in people's lives. Um. I think it's this idea that, you know, money makes the world go round is quite often a mantra that you hear. I work in a business school and, you know, um, maybe maybe you get tarred with the kind of brush of, you know, you're all about the money. But for me, certainly, life is something more than making money. It's, I don't want to be too philosophical and too deep, but my kind of feelings about your meaning in life is to make things a little bit better for somebody else and if you can do that for just one person then you know your life isn't wasted mm, absolutely and I can really uh, you know, empathize with that in terms of one of my driving guiding principles is about making a difference 
And sometimes I think we think about making a difference as these big grand gestures, but actually it's the understanding, for me at least, it's the understanding that almost every conversation we have has the potential, every interaction we have with somebody has the potential to be positive or negative. And it's how can we maybe try on those really small sort of scales and those really small levels to, to yeah, like you say, just to try and make things a little bit better. Um, yeah, it's about being conscious, I think, of how you affect other people. You've got to always be aware that even the smallest thing that you do or say can have quite a profound impact on somebody else without you even realising it. Mm. So, you know, just just be nice, just yeah. be helpful, just be supportive. You know, don't be soft, but always do your best to mm. think about how the other person at the other end of your conversation is feeling. And I think there's, there's something quite interesting almost in that in terms of how we connected. Um, so we haven't met in person. We've spoken on the phone once before today, but we were connected by um, an equestrian coach who um, I was doing some work with. And, you know, they, I saw something that they presented um, using your work. Uh, and, went, oh, that's really interesting. And uh, they then made the connection, which is um, how we've come to talk. And I think we'll explore some of your work in a little bit more detail. But it is about you know just nudging people along and helping people and yeah making connections which is which is really important I think. I mean it's all about making life a little bit better um so thinking about the the kind of research group that I'm part of at the university it's about it's generally about can we make people's working lives better but for me it's a bit broader than that it's you know can we just make life a little better for people Mm -hmm. through simple means um so that's that's kind of my interest I'm just massively interested in people Hmm. driven by an interest in people and wanting to make things as good as they can be excellent and so what's your your second quote because I think they're they're all sort of connected in a strange kind of way yeah I mean I suppose um I'm coming at this from the kind of you know I'm a a teacher and, and and so one that I always repeat at my poor students is you know the only person who's educated is the person who has learned how to learn um and I think what I was saying to you earlier is this idea that we obviously education is massively important but I think actually sometimes people place too much emphasis on the facts and figures if you like so you come into a class and you learn the data you learn the facts but whatever you're learning could be out of date so quickly. And if you haven't got that ability to learn, if you don't know how to learn, then, you know, you, you're out of date, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of your knowledge very, very quickly. Um, certainly the students that I work with, I'm saying to them, you know, you're, you're here with me now and we're learning about certain things, but your working lives will still be going 40 years from now. And anything that I tell you that is uh, factual could be obsolete in five years time so you really need to have that ability to go out there and to learn for yourself mm. um and and I suppose I I've seen other quotes as well that you know the good teacher is the, is the person who gradually makes himself redundant because you know if you know how to learn you don't need a teacher mm. do it for yourself and that sort of theme of learning um and actually curiosity has definitely come out in a few of these podcasts and conversations in terms of, you know, how either from an, a personal perspective, somebody saying, I'm just really curious about stuff um, on the challenge. I suppose the flip side of that, if you're looking at coaching or teaching or lecturing or whatever it might be, is is how can you 
develop and or seek to develop and motivate students or athletes or whoever it might be to you know grasp some of that curiosity or find some of it and and how do we as educators or you know whatever your term is coach lecturer teacher how can we work with others to spark that um light that fire under them and create that spark so that they're then able to to move forward and and do things for themselves rather than having to rely on somebody else saying here's the information now what do you think I mean, certainly a lot of the students that I work with have come from educational backgrounds where it's very much been a case of the teacher feeds you the information. And if you can show the teacher or the examiner that you have taken that information in, well, there you go, you've passed. And this this idea that you're learning how to learn, um, you're being asked to question everything. So, you know, for my students, you know, question everything. Why is somebody trying to make you believe a certain thing? You know, what are their motives? Um, that is such a huge kind of change in, in, in the process of learning. For, for so many of the students I work with, I work with a lot of students from overseas, from, from you know, kind of different educational backgrounds to a a typical UK education. So, uh, yeah, I can really, I I sometimes struggle to help my students through that transition, but the struggle is worth it if that student is then able to kind of take themselves forward under their own steam and they are better able to find out what they need to know and want to know Mm -hmm. um, without me directing them in, 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 you know, in that sense. So, so what motivates you? I'm curious as you're talking because you're clearly passionate about what you do and help wanting to help other people learn. What is it that motivates you and and how have you, this is maybe, it is quite a large question, but how have you ended up sort of in the role you've, you're in and you know, working with, with students and, um, you know, what's your driver that motivates you and keeps you interested and curious every day? Um, people. <laughs> I'm so interested in people and I always have been. Um, what makes a person tick um and you would think with that kind of interest I might have you know come out of school and gone to study psychology or something like that but one thing that I was adamant in school that I was not going to be was a teacher (laughs) (laughs) so I've had a really um convoluted route to to where I am now actually um so as I said to you I'm I'm relatively new in terms of uh, you know being an academic I um I have, so I finished university where I studied environmental science for a love of the outdoors. I just wanted to be outside. I wanted to be knee deep in mud. I wanted to be taking mud cars out of, out of lakes. And I wanted to be, you know, taking scoops out of streams and counting insects. And, and, I, and that's what I did as, a, as an undergraduate degree. Um, I was the first in my family to go to university. I didn't really have a good understanding of, of what an academic life was. I, I don't know if I even ever knew what, you know, kind of PhD was or, or anything like that. I, you know, in my mind, it was go to university and then you can get a better job. Uh, I went to university at a time when I didn't have to pay either. So I, I went for free. Um, so I came out of university and I kind of um, was around for a while, did a ski season and, and this kind of thing. And then I I didn't really know what to do with myself and this thing about you know being adamant I didn't want to be a teacher suddenly went away and I ended up training as a geography teacher um very quickly realized that probably wasn't the life for me in a secondary school because I had I had a massive love for the teaching part of it but not you know the admin part of it then by some weird turn of fate I got um a job 
at the University of York, um, working in outreach. So basically thinking about how the academics within the university could translate their research and then get it out there, use it to help schools develop, um, get out to the public really as well, because these huge publicly funded organisations that, that uh, universities are, you know, it's only fair that we, we look at doing that. And that was that was kind of in the early 2000s. So it's like the early days of it all, really. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, it's become much more of a done thing now but at the time it was quite quite a rare thing so I spent quite a few years working in outreach and then I kind of moved into researcher development so things around um, kind of helping researchers themselves to translate their research into something that's useful for public consumption if you like um, and 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 that just kind of gradually led me into um, into the the University of Leeds I got a position there actually in the engineering department working with PhD students and before I knew it I was uh, in the business school <laughs> working with with um, kind of master students um, and have kind of made a transition into um, an academic role so that's how I ended up where I am now it's a bit of a weird story a bit of a weird route um, there wasn't particularly a master plan certainly <laughs> I find it really interesting when you sort of ask people about their journeys and and I, I look back I think back to kind of careers at school and those sorts of things and your career planning and, and that big question where do you see yourself in five years time and often the simple answer is do you know what? I have no idea I don't know where I'm going to be next week particularly at the moment let alone five <laughs> yeah. years time and often it's it's almost it's it's less about having a grand plan and sometimes it's about having a sense of what you don't want is equally as important as what you do want in terms of making those decisions and and that clarity of the things that are important to you so you're able to make the decisions on okay no that's definitely not something that's for me and oh actually that's quite interesting let's see you know and it's not making that jump to say that's me forever it's saying right now that feels like a good fit and a good opportunity and let's see where it goes yeah, I think I think that probably defines my, my career route, actually, in that, you know, there was no defining moment where I said, this is what I want to do and here's where I want to go. It was just very much about, you know, oh, this job sounds quite interesting. I'll, I'll give that a bash or I'll have a whirl at this or, oh, I don't think I'll get very far, but, you know, I'd like to go to the interview for this one if I could, just to find <laughs> out a little bit more. Um, and, yeah, I think it took it took me... To kind of my mid thirties to decide what I wanted to be when I grew up, and and I am lucky enough now to be able to say, oh, I love my job. I really love my job, but it took a while. Mm. It certainly took a while. <laughs> and one of the things that you know we've chatted about very briefly, but it's come up you know, already in the conversation, is that idea of of how to make research accessible. And certainly over the past, um, you know, that's probably how we connected in a sense of you you sharing your research with a coach I was working with and her then passing that, you know, information on to a group of people. And me saying, oh, that's really interesting. Oh, can you connect me with that person? Um, And, you know, us then having that conversation. And for me as a, you know, as somebody who's just recently completed their PhD, it's a dilemma in my head around, I don't want my research to sit on a shelf. How do I communicate it? I'm not in an, um, a university establishment, but making it accessible and bringing it to life through practical experience as opposed to you know, research papers, which are, you know, they do have a place and they are important. And, and I know over the past few weeks, you've shared some of your research with 
groups of equestrian coaches and, and are starting to sort of see that you know that cascade um so it's quite interesting mm-hmm. that you know through, that's been something that feels like it's weaving through your your career almost that sense of not wanting stuff to just sit there and how can you share it and maybe it comes back mm-hmm. to that how can it how can the stuff you know and you're curious about help other people and begin to make a difference beyond your realms of your four walls of your existence almost yeah I think yeah it's, it has been I suppose the, the kind of overarching theme this idea of kind of breaking down the barriers a little bit um and and now I can look back and and say you know when I personally was a student I really didn't understand actually what what did go on in universities in terms of research and you know how how was it got out there well you know peer-reviewed journal papers are the way forward if you're building your career as an academic and of course they're important if that is kind of the career that you have but the you know all of this research that goes on it it needs to get out there it needs to be put to use and and I, I am constantly thinking about you know how can what we do kind of behind closed doors get out there and and make a difference in people's lives Mm. that's what we're doing it for and I think sometimes you know you can maybe lose sight of that if you are in this kind of very competitive environment where you have to publish papers and and this kind of thing but for me it's the the reality is always there this is to help people Mm. um so maybe I'm non-traditional in in that sense in in an academic role I'm you know more interested in in how people's lives can be enhanced perhaps by by what we do and what is it around I mean I know you're involved in your own research and you've got your own research interests so if we maybe focus on some of those sorts of things what are the I don't know key messages or maybe not messages what are the key points of interest that are maybe coming out through some of the things that you're doing that you're thinking oh, okay that's interesting to me but I wonder how that could how could that help people out in the field whether it be you know business environment or a coaching environment or sport you know how could maybe what, what are some of the key strands that you see that might have that really valuable translation into the for want of a better world the real world <laughs> so the the kind of area that I am working in at the moment it's um it grows from uh, the research of my colleague professor Kerry Unsworth um and it's and, and her colleagues as well. And, and the, their research started to look at this idea of something called self-concordance, which when you're talking about uh, a person's goals, their ambitions in life, um, if you sort of visualise your life, if you like, as a bit of a matrix of lots and lots of different things that you do. So every day you get up, uh, maybe you go to the gym, you go off to work, you cook some dinner, you spend some time with your family, um, all those day-to-day things that you do, how are they actually helping you to, to meet those, those greater goals that you might have, you know, to pass a degree or uh, to, you know, do something like huge in your life or even just to, you know, save enough to buy a house, for example. Um, and self-concordance, it's quite difficult <laughs> to explain, actually. I'm thinking about how to best explain it. It's the idea that what you're doing on a day-to-day basis kind of lines up in a way that helps you to, to meet those greater goals that you have. Um, and so out of that research, um, Kerry and her colleagues built this thing called um, 
well, they built a, an online version of, of a kind of a goal hierarchy, which is a bit of a, it's like a matrix building mm-hmm. um, tool, if you like. And so my research is looking at, um, is currently looking at how do these kind of goal hierarchies um, that my sample builds, so um, my sample are actually some students, how do they match up perhaps with other constructs that I'm interested in so other aspects of their personality so um, I'm looking at what people put in their goal hierarchies what order they're in how many links there are between the different boxes um, and whether we can also look at people's um, things like optimism levels or their self-evaluation or um, their learning orientation so how kind of open they are to to kind of learning and, and that kind of thing and see whether there's any any correlation there. See whether there's any kind of anything going on that would give us a clue about what's going on in these goal hierarchies. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm working on at the moment. But I think when I spoke to our mutual contact, the equestrian coach, there was the idea that, you know, how can you use this matrix to help somebody who is a sports person, but also is maybe um, a, a mother or father or, uh, you know, husband or wife or partner or, you know, has all these other roles in their life competing with their sporting persona. How can you help them to, to think about lining everything up in their life so they don't feel so overwhelmed? So perhaps they are getting towards their goals and they're not feeling, you know, I can never get there because there's too much going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was where all that came from. It was. And, I, you know, it's, I find it really fascinating. And certainly, it was, you know, when I heard... And heard some of this for the first time it it did really make me sit and think in terms of almost how we to, you know, have a tendency maybe to pigeonhole people in you know we define them by their role but almost even within a family you can have multiple roles at that one so you know I, I am a wife a daughter a sister an auntie all of these things you know in one um, but also I'm, you know, I run my own business. I, you know, I'm, I'm a mountain climber, all of these t- sorts of different things. And somewhere through that, there's a strand that mm. is me and the things that are that driving me, whether it's about making a difference or integrity or, you know, there's those strands. And I think particularly for, you know, strikes me were um, coaches or teachers working with young people and almost having that recognition that when you see them as a sports coach, for example, you're seeing one facet of their life, yes. but also maybe that teenager also is, you know, got stuff that's important to them with friendship groups and there's challenges with, within friends or, you know, they're at school. Maybe they're having to make choices about their options. You know, which GCSEs are you going to do? Maybe they have to do their exams. Maybe they've got stuff going on at home. And unless you see that whole picture, but also help the individual see that whole picture, almost, you know, the pressure, the pressure can build and, um, you know, it becomes quite challenging. So that's what I took out of of hearing, you know, some of your work and, yeah. and some of the things, and that's where it made me start thinking in terms of, well, yeah, multiple roles and how do we balance all those without getting almost overwhelmed in one area of our life without thinking about the others? Yeah, it's 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 definitely a good tool to help with that and to help you to perhaps be a little kinder to yourself and. You know, when you look, when you actually take the time to write down what it is that you do and think about why it is that you're doing it, sometimes you look at what you've got on your plate and you think, goodness me, how am I still going? (laughs) Um, And 
and I, I always say to, to certainly to the students I use it with, I never want them to use it as a tool to beat themselves up with. I don't want them to look at it and say, oh, well, you know, this thing that I'm doing every day, which is spending an hour and a half talking to my friends off Skype, um, that's not helping me to meet any of my greater goals. So I'm going to knock that on the head. Actually, that's the thing that you may need to do to keep everything else going, to keep all those plates spinning. That's your mental space to relax. So, you know, it's, you know, finding that balance, you know, how is what I'm doing on a daily basis helping me Mm. ultimately to get to whatever goal I'm aiming for, whatever that is in my life. But, you know, also, am I giving myself some slack and am I being aware that, you know, I can't always have everything perfectly aligned? Um, it's yeah I never want it to be a tool to beat yourself up with that's certainly a, a message that I always say absolutely I've got an image so I'm, um, I love music and you know play music write music record and I've got this image of a, a graphic equalizer mixing desk in my head so it's almost like sliding up the sort of you can only have a maximum so you have to sort of slide you know slide one bit down and another bit up at times because if they're both if all of your um, sliders are at maximum level then the volume's going you know you're going to be creating horrendous feedback and it's just going to go out of control where actually almost it's okay well if I'm sliding that part of my life up and that's really important right now maybe what what am I just dialing back a little bit to just almost yeah. ease off and you know I, I've got a cumulative total that I could have and I just need to you know recognize bits and pieces yeah. and that's a fantastic analogy actually I've never really thought of it like that but that's a lot of the way that I use this tool with my students is about that it is about you know this is this is the year when you come for your degree so maybe you need to think about you know dialing the you know achieving my degree related tasks up and maybe dialing back on the ones that are a little more socially driven or um, you know it's one thing that I find that's that's quite interesting that's come out of the research that I've been doing is um, is some sometimes I see in in the goal hierarchies that that my students produce quite big splits in in the sense that they, they they've given themselves two separate identities and there's one side that's very much around you know studying working hard getting good grades and getting that dream job and then there's this other side about you know me as a sister or a friend and you know gaming with my friends and being a good person to be around and being a supportive kind of member of a community for example and sometimes they're very kind of separate which I find you know intriguing actually that's that's something that I want to explore further <laughs> Absolutely. And as you're talking, I'm, you know, you said earlier, you know, it's people and being interested in people that makes you tick. So why didn't you go into psychology and those sorts of things? And actually, as you're talking, all these psychological theories are jumping into my head in terms of almost actually you are fundamentally. The moment we start being curious about, like, you know, research curious about people and what makes them tick. Um, and for my own research, you know, I started, it's around leadership and change management. And, you know, I started off in very functional literature around, you know, models of change and models of leadership. Where I ended up was psychology, um, therapy, counselling, nursing, all of that, because it's, it is fundamentally about what makes people tick. Um, it is, it is. And yeah, I just I find it fascinating almost that you sort of come, I don't even full circle, but where you've ended up. It's, yeah, it's bringing think, that, that strand of your life, that people strand to life. I think, I think I've ended up where I was meant to end up. Um, but it just took me a while to, to find it. And I think, it, you know, that, a lot of that was a product of 
kind of a background in the set you know I, I never had a rough background or anything I, <laughs> I you know but it was just just not really understanding myself or growing into myself until I got to a certain point where I thought actually yeah this is really what I want to do this is what I'm really passionate about um and and finding that has been life-changing to be honest you know I've never been happier uh, in actually in all aspects of my life um and I think a lot of that is to do with the fact that you know I feel like I'm perhaps using my brain for good <laughs> <laughs> and, and as um, this is thinking out loud and maybe bringing a few things together but almost for me it's bringing maybe another angle to this idea of self-concordance so rather than it being just about almost tangible physical goals it's almost about um so I, I'm interested in that authenticity and you know what does it really mean to be authentic but you can actually only be authentic if you really know who you are so yes. it's almost and you know to, to really spend time thinking about and we often use the word values but sometimes that gets a bit confusing so look what's really important to you what matters what drives you what motivates you and if you can find some of that kind of strand almost in in simple terms that almost gives you that sense of okay that's what I'm working towards rather than necessarily be being a, a job or a goal or a you know something financial yeah. it's more about I mean, actually I want to be okay with being me yeah the goal hierarchy tool itself it has kind of four different levels on it if you like and it has the day-to-day tasks and it has kind of what we call the goals so they're the things that you know in the next six months to, to yeah. five years you're working towards so certainly for my students it's things like uh, passing their degree and, and finding that job yeah. and saving to buy a house uh, yeah. you know they're they're in their early 20s in the main uh, but then there's another level above that which is your identity so it's what you identify yourself as so a sister um, you know a partner and a daughter or son um and then above that again there is this level where we think about values so what is it that really sits at the core of you that drives you forward uh you know what are the things that just make life for you if you know what I mean so absolutely you know, if you can be self-concordant, thinking about, you know, getting up in the morning and doing that one little task, how is that helping me to live, tr- you know, truly and, and and be true to my values? Mm-hmm. Then, you know, and if you can line all that up, good luck to you. But, you know, that's perfect. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. And it's interesting. And, you know, I think one of the things that I find is, is people only realise there's kind of almost a mismatch when they feel that tension. So, yeah it's almost those are the moments when you kind of like oh this doesn't feel right and if you can maybe just take a take time to explore what it is about okay what's causing tension what doesn't feel right then it might be that perhaps the tension is well that more functional goal isn't actually aligned with who I am as a person so that's another way of perhaps looking at the tool and being able to you know almost use it to help people on a practical level yeah it's really I mean it's really good for that because quite often um when I'm using it with my students, for example, there is what I'll call a floating box. <laughs> and it's just like a floating box with no connections to anything else. Um, and it, it might be a goal, for example. And quite often when you dig a little bit deeper and you talk to the person, you know, why is this box floating? It has no connection to the tasks you do every day, but also no connection perhaps to your identities or your values. And oftentimes it's a goal because somebody else has told them that's a goal. <laughs> yeah. Or it's something I think yeah. I should do. You know, I, I, I'm from this background or, you know, or it's something my mum and dad think I need to do. And actually, if you've got nothing anchoring that to anything else, well, you know, you, you've got no commitment to it. It's, it's never going to happen. Yeah. 
Um, so it is about being true to yourself and thinking, you know, who am I and what do I want mm. from my life? Absolutely. And it almost feels like it comes back to, um, you know, some of your, you know, your first couple of quotes in a sense of that motivation and learning and curiosity. Well, actually, if it matters to you and it's got meaning, then you're more likely to be motivated to be curious about it and all those sorts of things. Whereas actually, if it's just something that, you know, that doesn't connect anywhere to you or you're not motivated by it. So, you know, maybe a simplistic extreme example would be, well, I'm doing a maths degree because I've been told, you know, that's what my family expects, but actually my heart lies in music. So actually the motivation to keep getting up every day and studying maths as opposed to music then that's going to be really hard um, but if you've got a, you know a connection or something then even when it's even when times are tough at least you're still connected and passionate about that subject that's it it's can you can you keep going even when you know the seas are rough if you've got that passion yes if you haven't you're just going to let let everything go and absolutely and I must admit that sadly I I struggle with students every year who are in that situation where they've come to this this business school and and it's very much you know my parents want me to take over the family business what I really want to do is be an artist and it's so difficult because obviously they're there they're they're in your hands they're they're halfway through their degree um, and you've got to keep them going and try to keep the interest there when you really know that the passion isn't isn't with them Um, but I think also that's got some cultural background to this as well so yeah absolutely and I'm I'm very conscious that I could quite happily sit here and carry on this conversation probably for another two or three hours (laughs) Um, but I'm thinking perhaps we should think about maybe you know just maybe drawing some conclusions and and I know there was and and you couldn't decide whether it was an actual quote or something you'd kind of conjured up out of a whole host of other things but it feels quite relevant in the in the context of this conversation um, in terms of some of the things you've talked about. So I don't know if you want to just maybe share that and give it yeah, a Yeah, so, so I think, I mean, it, it's probably been said by somebody great at some point. Um, but one of the things I, I often say to, to my students is, you know, they, they're on a, on a business degree, they're, they're on a management programme, actually. I say to them, well, if you can't manage yourself, how do you expect to be able to manage other people? Um, and I know this is something that sticks with them because it often comes back to see me again in uh, in various assignments that they do. Um, but it's the idea that, you know, you, you're here, you want to develop yourself as a manager, but actually if you can't manage your own life, it might never happen. So something like the, the goal hierarchy tool is a really useful thing for that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, even, again, some psychology sort of literature and theories come up because I know there's some stuff that says, you know, psychology, know, know thyself in terms of almost therapists and counsellors needing to understand their own you know, selves and biases and all sorts of things in order to be able to effectively work with others. And I think that's something that goes through a lot of my leadership work as well in terms of saying, actually, as a leader, you know, whatever you perceive that word to mean, you have to start with knowing yourself, knowing what makes you tick, what's important to you. And only then can you really start effectively you know, working with others and building those relationships because ultimately it keeps coming back to, and probably coaching would be the same. You know, we talk a lot in, in sports coaching about what's your coaching philosophy? Why do you coach? What's your drive your motivation? Um, so definitely, I think in a whole host of different fields that know, <laughs> that know thyself bit definitely becomes important. Yeah, spend a lot of time with my students at the beginning of their education with me about, you know, mm-hmm. who are you? 
why are you here? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah ask, asking that why are you here question, obviously, sometimes at the start, it's like, no, I don't mean, let's break it down a little bit, because why are we here could lead into a whole existential debate. <laughs> Um, so as, as, we, as we just draw the conversation to a, a close you know what are your maybe key reflections or you know a few key points that you'd like to sort of leave people thinking about or that feel important to you I think probably something around not underestimating yourself um, and your own abilities and, and and having confidence in the choices that you make and 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 just not not kind of selling yourself short and I know I probably shouldn't say this because I'm in a, in a lecturer role. I, I work at like quite a profile university, but actually your grades aren't everything. You know, it's not about how well you achieve in a classroom or whether you jump through this hoop or that hoop. It's about believing in yourself and knowing that you can do things and, and having the, the confidence in yourself to say, I'm just going to give this a try. Um, I think that's probably something I try to deliver to my students and that, you know, but through well I'm sure it would and, and certainly from our you know couple of conversations and and some of the insight you've you've shared today I think what I'm taking from our conversation is definitely some of that um you know the how the goals and it's almost like the little steps on the way can help you understand who you are and um you know where that passion lies and certainly what you said um, fairly early on is that you know know about learning so it's not about an education being given an education it's about how can we as individuals be curious and you know learn for ourselves which is you know certainly something that you know I've heard is a bit of a strand throughout what you've been talking about and um and yeah so thank you for joining me and sharing some insights and uh yeah I look forward to actually being able to physically meet over a yeah. <laughs> one day one day <laughs> sure it would be really nice to meet up with you and yeah. talk about our, our different strands of research together. yeah and we can think about yeah, how do we get some of this out into the big wide world because that's another you know definitely for me and it feels quite a um a timely conversation almost and yes. in actually also saying and this is maybe this this isn't ending the conversation this is spark, sparking our next conversation but <laughs> actually how how do we as researchers get our work out there and not feel tied to the traditional this is what is expected so maybe you know coming back to what you were saying about your students and their expectations of oh my I'm doing this because my family thinks I should or wants me to actually not being tied to oh well academia or you know actually I'm only my research is only valid if it's published in a journal actually no there are other ways and um, so perhaps we can yeah keep keep talking about that and saying seeing how we can share our research in a wider and wider sphere that would be wonderful <laughs> fabulous well thank you very much for your time and look forward thank to a you. coffee in person very soon yes definitely thank you very much Jane. it was an absolute pleasure excellent you have been listening to the coffee and conversation podcast the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen my thanks again to my guest nicola smith and also to you for listening if you are curious to discover more about Nicola's role and her research interests, you can find her staff profile page on the Leeds University Business School website under the People section. Until the next time, take care.